This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During these winter quarter of 2022 and 2023, the months of December, January, and February, we're going to be looking at the first 11 chapters of John. We'll be coming to the other half of John in the springtime, but right now we're focusing on these first 11 chapters. And I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Gia Thornburg. Gia is a new member on the Explore the Bible team. She's the production editor. And Gia, I want you to just share with our listeners what a production editor does. My role on the team, I help Bob Bunn and Mike Livingstone create our curriculums um, really through basic copy editing of our curriculum, flowing and styling the text into um, the platform we use to create it, as well as gathering files and uploading to our digital platform. So, and you are, you are our grammar and style police. Yes. <laughs> you are that person. So we're glad to have you on the team and I'm glad you could be a part of our, our podcast too. Thank you for inviting me. We're looking at session two. In session two, we're looking at John chapter one, verses 40 through 51. And we've entitled this study, Come and See. We're looking at Jesus calling his disciples. And we've outlined it by the names of the disciples that he called. Uh, we've, in, we've noted Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel. The first section, verses 40 through 42, focus on Andrew and Peter. Uh, in these verses, They've, have, they've heard John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus, so Andrew begins following Jesus. He then sought Simon, his brother, and invited him to also follow Jesus. When Jesus saw Simon, he greeted him by his given name and then declared that he would be known as Cephas or Peter from that time forward. The main idea for us from this passage is that our true identity is found in following Jesus. The second part of the outline, verses 43 through 46 of John 1, we've just entitled it Philip. After leaving Galilee, Jesus invited Philip to follow him as well. Philip then sought out Nathanael, who let him know the Messiah had been found. Nathanael questioned Philip since Jesus was from Nazareth. He challenged Nathanael, Philip did, to see for himself. The main point for us that believers must lovingly challenge others' false beliefs about Jesus. The last section of this study, verses 47 through 51, we've just entitled Nathaniel. As Nathaniel approached, Jesus affirmed the character of Nathaniel. When Nathaniel responded with skepticism, Jesus told him he had seen him under a fig tree prior to Philip inviting him to follow Jesus. Nathaniel declared Jesus to be the Messiah in response. Jesus then told him that he would witness greater events, including the ascending and descending of angels on Jesus. The main point for us is that believers can be assured of the truth of Jesus's identity. Now, Gia, we've got several different things here. Right off the bat, we see this name change. Help us think through that. What's the big deal about Peter or actually Simon becoming Peter or Cephas? 
So to us, it may sound a little strange that Jesus is changing Simon's name, right? Especially in this day and age, naming your child is a, a really big deal. And a lot of parents agonize over that. But we have to remember, too, that this is not the first time in the Bible that God has changed someone's name. Um, you can think back to many examples, one of which would be in Genesis, where Jacob, after wrestling with God, God changes his name and says his name will now be Israel. And we know that to be a foreshadowing of Jacob's life to come because he will father the sons who make up the 12 tribes of Israel. And another, maybe even more famous example is Saul in the New Testament on the road to Damascus. Saul, who is very much a persecutor of Christians, um, he encounters the Lord and then the Lord changes his name to Paul. And we see that there's a dramatic change in Paul's life where moving forward, he then goes on to be a very impactful missionary for Christ and one of our main authors of the New Testament. And both of these stories, we see these name changes are really symbols of changes in identity. And this is very similar to Simon here in what John is writing about. You know, Jesus says his name will now be Cephas. And this, um, in our text, it says that it's translated as Peter. Both of these words can mean rock or stone. And that is really a good picture of Peter's life after meeting Jesus. Peter is going to go on to have a solid faith, a solid walk in Jesus. In the book of Acts, we'll see him traveling the globe and spreading the gospel. And ultimately, we know that his life will end in a martyr's death by crucifixion. And what's interesting too about this is Peter is also the disciple who denies Christ. And um, Jesus knows this, but he still changes his name to this word meaning rock, that solid faith, because he knows everything about Peter. And so this name change is an identity change. After encountering Jesus, he is fully changed and set on a new path. Jesus literally changes his life. Now, do you think this is aspirational at this point then? It's what, what Jesus expects Peter to live up to? I think it's what Jesus knows Peter mm. will live up to because he is the omniscient son of God. He is the Lord. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense, particularly thinking about how Jesus gives us a new identity. And that identity is based on the reality of what he already knows and already has done. So uh, that makes sense. Um, now, when Philip approaches Nathaniel, Nathaniel questions him because he's this Jesus that he's being introduced to comes from Nazareth. What was the hangup with Nazareth here? Daniel has this weird question where he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And that can come across as he's speaking ill of the city or saying it has a bad reputation, but really he's making a comment on the city's obscurity. You know, Nazareth was a really small city um, it wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament or the Jewish text that Nathaniel would have been familiar with. Nathaniel is, as we'll see in the verses to come, very well versed in the word, studying God's word. And so he would have known these texts. And so Nazareth, for him, just isn't ringing a bell. In addition, we have to put it into the larger context of the conversation. Philip has just told him that they have seen the Messiah, 
You know, he says that the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about has come. And this is a very big deal. The The Messiah was to be the one um, who was to come and conquer the Romans to them and bring back the throne of David. And so this to Nathaniel is probably just, he's having a hard time wrapping his mind around this grand regal king that they're expecting. They've been waiting on and studying about is coming from a very obscure and insignificant place. Plus, like you mentioned, if he was that well-versed in the Old Testament, he would have known about the Micah prophecy too, that he would be born in mm -hmm. Bethlehem. So that yeah. would have thrown him off too, the Jesus from Nazareth. Um, when I see this, it reminds me that they thought they knew who Jesus was, but they really didn't. Mm -hmm. um, they had a preconceived idea and that preconceived idea was not exactly what they thought it was. <laughs> Jesus yeah. wasn't who they thought he was going to be. Yep. Jesus responds to Nathaniel here by saying something about a fig tree, that he was under the fig tree. What was the big deal about the fig tree here? And what was he doing under the fig tree? The fig tree, it's one of those agricultural references that the original audience, they would have been more familiar with and understood. And it's one of those that we, just because of our culture, don't necessarily immediately understand. This under the fig tree would have been an idiom that was used to symbolize peace. You know, fig trees took a long time to grow and to bear fruit. And so to be able to sit under it in the, the nice, cool shade of it would have meant that there had been a prolonged time of peace that this area hadn't been destroyed by war. You know, First Kings 4.25 makes reference to this. Um, in Solomon's reign, there was a long reign of peace where it says each person was under his own vine and his own fig tree because they were in the safety from the other nations. Um, and in the New Testament era, it also would have meant a place where men of faith, especially rabbis, could study the law in tranquility um, and in comfort in the shade. And so really Jesus, in his way, he's saying that he recognizes that Nathaniel is dedicated to the study of God's word, you know, and, and you know, what was he doing under the tree? We're not exactly sure what he was doing under there. He could have been praying. He would have, he could have been studying. Jesus doesn't say, but by Jesus saying this to Nathaniel, Jesus, or Nathaniel is being convinced of Jesus's identity because he has said something that only God would have known. And he proclaims, you know, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. He is convinced from that point that Jesus is who he says he is because he recognizes this about Nathaniel. He points to as well, you're going to see angels ascending and descending. What was Jesus referring to there? Uh, most likely, he is making a reference to Genesis 28. Jacob in that chapter has a, has a dream where there is a staircase that connects earth and heaven. And on that staircase, there are angels going up and down the staircase. And when Jacob wakes up, he is convinced that he has seen the gate of heaven and renames that location Bethel, the house of God. In what Jesus is saying here in John 1, um, there's a couple things that we can point out. First, we need to note that when he says, you will see, that you is plural um, and not singular. So where he was talking to Nathaniel, he is now talking to a wider audience. But he also says that these angels are going to be ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
well, the son of man is Jesus. He's talking about himself. Um, and this identifier was used pretty often by Jesus because it equally represents his deity, his oneness with God, but it also represents his human nature being fully born in the flesh. And so by Jesus saying that these angels will be ascending and descending on him, he is saying that God's going to reveal himself no longer in a certain location, but through his son. Whereas in the past, he's revealed himself, you know, like we said, Jacob at Bethel or, you know, other holy places, Mount Sinai, places we would recognize in the Old Testament. He's revealed himself through his son now. His son has come. So Jesus is our bridge, our our staircase between heaven and earth, if you will, for us. And that is what he is revealing to those that he's talking to right here. And one of the things that strikes me when I read this passage is each one of them are told to follow Jesus, but they are the, they're approached in very different ways. And so I find comfort in knowing that while the call is the same for all, all of us, we should all follow Jesus. He approaches us in a very specific way that's geared towards our personality, our experiences, our needs, so that even though the call may be the same, the approach is very different. And sometimes we get trapped. I find myself trapped this way. Uh, that God approaches everybody the same way. And I, that is far from the truth. We see him approach all of these guys, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel, very different ways in this passage. One of the ideas in the leader guide that I think could be helpful for folks is dealing with that word follow. We find it throughout this passage. It's in the options. This idea is in the options in the leader guide. It's under the word study idea. And it tells us to gather a Bible concordance and to do a word study on follow. Um, we should have given more information as to how to do that. Uh, we, and we encourage you to identify verses that add to the understanding. And so um, I'm going to identify some verses here that may help you. One is John 8, 12. Another one is John 10, 29. And another one is John 21, 19. Now, all three of those are from the Gospel of John. They include the word follow in some form or fashion. And that would help us get an idea of how John uses that phrase follow in his gospel. But we may want to venture out from there. We may want to look at Matthew 16, 24, uh, which is the deny yourself and follow me. The Luke 18, probably focus more on verse 22. It's the rich young ruler. And then 1 Peter 2.21 also has some, some bearing on how we understand follow. It, it has the word footsteps in it. Uh, that passage does in some translations. It has the idea of following his footsteps. Let me give those passages, passages again. In John, it's John 8.12, John 10.27, I believe is what I've written down here, and John 21.19, and then outside of John, I have Matthew 16, 24, Luke 18, 22, and 1 Peter 2, 21. I think if you do that, that'll help you with this particular idea, this particular action, where then you can look at these verses and come to a deeper understanding of what it means to follow. I, one idea here, part of this idea is invite the, the group to discuss how the word is used currently. And, you know, you think about following someone on social media or following a news story or following GPS directions. Those are some of the ideas given. And then talk about how those ideas could compare 
to what it means to follow Jesus here as we see in John chapter 1. Gia, do you have any other ideas or thoughts you'd like to share about John chapter 1 verses 40 through 51? You know, you mentioned following. Um, and the other thing that really stood out to me when reading this passage too was the idea of missions and evangelism, which is also our, our key doctrine for this session. You know, because um, these men wouldn't have been that they're changed when they encounter Jesus and that that wouldn't have happened if someone hadn't invited them to come and see Jesus. You know, Andrew invites Philip or Peter and Philip invites Nathaniel to come and experience Jesus for themselves. And I, I just see that as, you know, an encouragement to us to extend that invitation as believers, you know, for others to come and see the Lord. You know, that is our verbal witness. Sometimes our verbal witness is, you know, sharing the gospel and to others. And sometimes it's just come and see, come and experience his goodness. Um, so that was another thing that really stood out to me from this as well. You know, th this is a good way for us to start thinking about uh, next year, uh, 2023. It's just around the corner. I know that I I've put it on a piece of paper that I thought that looks funny to see 2023. But the first lesson and we'll talk about this once we get there. Mike uh, Livingston is going to be with me uh, for that podcast. But on the lesson for January 1, one of the concluding actions is for us to identify someone who needs to hear the gospel and us begin to pray for that person. And the idea would be is we don't just, just pray that they would become a believer, but they would that we would pray for the opportunity to share with them to share with them about our experience. And one way we can do that too, though, is not just share about our experience, but also invite them to our Bible study group. Um, I've read this multiple places. If we take the initiative to invite someone to our Bible study group, and we do it this way, we don't just say, hey, you need to come to our Bible study group. We meet at this time, at this time, at this place. Uh, but instead say, we've got a Bible study group I'm a part of. We meet every week at this time. Would you like for me to come by and pick you up? Do you want to follow me there? Do you want me to meet me in the parking lot where this takes place, especially if it's a Sunday school class on Sunday morning? Meet me in the parking lot. I'll get you from your car to there, and then we'll go eat afterwards or whatever. If we do that, the research says almost 80% of the people we approach that way will say yes and at least come if we take that kind of initiative. Uh, I don't know very many businessmen who would, would, would die for an 80% margin of success on making a sales call. Um, so that's something for us to think about. Gia, thank you for being with us today. I think you're going to be with us again later on, I, uh, probably, I think, five more weeks or six more weeks from now. So we look forward to you being with us then. Before we go, let me remind you about Extra. We identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news event to introduce and conclude the group time. This file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. Go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. That's go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras with no spaces. Thank you for listening to us today. Tune in next week. We'll be looking at session three. Brian Daniel will be joining us. We'll be looking at John chapter two, verses 11 through 23 and focusing on the idea that Jesus brought honor to the Father in word and deed. <laughs>